When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined once again by the Liverpool.com editor, Matt Addison. And you might remember that in pre-season, Matt and I took a look at Liverpool's attacking options. And now with seven matches Gone in the new campaign, we're going to reassess Liverpool's packing order at the head of the pitch. So, if we think back to that episode that we did during the summer, Matt, you had Mohamed Salah, Diogo Jota, and Luis Diaz as your preferred front line heading into the season. Like I say, we've seen a decent chunk of Premier League action now. Liverpool have also got their Europa League campaign underway. So, on the basis of those few weeks of action, have you changed your mind up to this point? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to pick a sort of first choice three that you go with, isn't it? I think we discussed that during the summer that to some extent it's going to be a little bit game by game. Uh, I think it would be fair to say right now, after what we've seen over the last few weeks, that probably Darwin Nunes has gone from the fifth choice, certainly has, has gone up and, and probably would be in my first choice three at the moment. But I also think Diego Jota is is a really good option to have off the bench. He, he feels to me at the moment as, as an ideal player to bring on. And if you need a goal from nowhere or if you need to close a game out as Liverpool did against West Ham, maybe he's right now better as being you know a substitute that you can bring on. And he feels like a player that you can turn to and he can kind of get a feel for the game quite quickly. He knows where to pop up instinctively. I think that was always a criticism of, say, Roberto Firmino, that you know he wasn't always brilliant substitute but I think Diogo Jota and and Cody Gakpo as well actually I thought was was pretty good over the weekend off the bench so I think Liverpool have have got those options Um, I definitely think Diaz and Salah are the number one for the wide spots it's more a case of of what do you need through the middle right now obviously Darwin Nunes is, is doing a little bit of everything I think he would be the number one but that's not to say that he will now just be the number one forever I think there will be opportunities to rotate obviously you know, different competitions will bring that. But I think that there might be games as well coming up where maybe, you know, Cody Gakpo is, is the one that you turn to or or maybe Jota is the one that you think is is most suited. I actually think the next two Premier League games are really suited to Nunes. I think Spurs and, and Brighton away from home are going to be ones where Liverpool might have to counter-attack a little bit more. And I think it would be a good thing as well for Nunes just to get a bit of a run in the side to continue what he's doing up to now. But I do think that Liverpool have got you know, the perfect blend again, as, as we discussed on paper during the summer. I think we've seen it already this season that you look at the skill set of each of those five front players. And obviously you've got Ben Doak or you've got, you know, Curtis Jones or Harvey Elliott that can come into the front line as well. But, you know, the, the five players that Liverpool have got, they're all five completely different skill sets. So right now, my front, my um, preferred front line for Liverpool would be Diaz, Nunes and Salah. But game to game. I think there's definitely room to, to change that up a little bit. So let's go through each of the players then on that note. And and we will start with Nunez. 
I want to talk about the goal scoring side of things first, then move on to the all round aspect of his game. Obviously, we had this moment against Newcastle in August when Nunez comes on, scores twice, you know, heroic contribution off the bench. And a lot of people said that was the turning point in his career that he was almost going to explode, is the phrase we keep using. Obviously, looking at Nunez's underlying numbers. Um, since then, he's obviously scored a couple of goals as well. Um, and equally, he has missed a couple of big chances. You know, there was obviously. Um, there was one against Aston Villa where the ball was sort of played across to him and he just couldn't quite get his technique right. There was one against West Ham as well where Salah played it through to him and he skewed it wide. Obviously, he did manage to go on and score against West Ham. But do you think, Matt, that because Nunez clearly isn't a natural finisher, can we bank on him becoming a, a clinical striker at any point? Or, or is it more the case that essentially he just needs to be putting away at almost a, an average proportion of the amount of chances that he's getting? And that's how the explosion is going to come. Well, I don't think it's a bad thing that he's necessarily, you know, missing a couple of these big chances. He clearly is a player that is a bit of a magnet to, to getting the ball in these areas. A lot of his goals are one-touch goals. A lot of them are kind of very instinctive where he almost, if he has too much time to think, that's maybe not a good thing for him. I think the way that Liverpool are set up, you think of you know, the firepower that they've got in midfield now, all the creativity even McAllister, you know, from the number six position was able to set him up for the goal over the weekend. So I think there's definitely, you know, a, an opportunity for him to, you know, score a, a high volume of goals just from doing what you'd expect him to do rather than anything above that. But I just think when you think of, obviously it's only one game, but West Ham in particular this weekend, you know, the, the chance that he scores was a lot harder than the one that he missed. To me, the, the logical sort of next step for him would be that, Okay, you carry on doing the things that are difficult, like the, the the two goals against Newcastle were not easy finishes. They were really, really excellent finishes. But if he can do the simple things and continue to do what he's doing now, I think there is an opportunity for him to go on and, and score lots more goals. Now, he's obviously already got four this season. Uh, that's that's a good start to, to go into the campaign. And, and having got four already, I think, can be a good thing. But I just want him to do a little bit more. I think, you know, he's he, he's done... A great job so far. He's improved massively in terms of his overall play from last season. He's scoring goals that you know you maybe wouldn't expect him to do, but there there is still you know a higher ceiling for him. And I think that that's almost why I would pick him as my number one choice at the moment. He's he's scoring the goals in volume. He's doing a lot of the things that Jurgen Klopp asks around that as well. But I still think there's another step for him. So it's almost not a criticism. It's it's. Uh, an excitement really a kind of anticipation of he's doing this now but this kind of feels like an average for him this feels about right for what he can do there is another level that he can get to and i think we probably will see that at some point it's just a case of how quickly that happens yeah and i think if you look at his goal tally i mean like you say he has got four goals and i do wonder how long it took him to to reach that mark last season because i know he scored in the community shield, scored against Fulham, but then I think there was a pretty kind of extended period where, where he wasn't finding the net. Um, so it's obviously a much faster start than last year, which you obviously would have expected, but it's interesting how you can kind of look at the, the strikers in the Premier League who are regarded as the best and, and some of them are just naturally a bit profligate. Um, but some of them are obviously, you know, devastating in front of goal and they can end up with a similar amount at the, come the end of the season just based on like the supply of chances, so we have to see how Nunez sort of evolves in that regard. You alluded to it there, 
it's not just about the goal scoring. Um, it's not just that simple. I mean, Nunez could be um, scoring a goal a game and not necessarily have his uh, his place in the team nailed down by the sounds of it because Klopp has repeatedly stressed the importance of counter-pressing. So how impressed have you been with Nunez's improvements in that regard, Matt? And also, what, what have you thought about his hold-up play in the past couple of games? We've seen it lead indirectly against West Ham and pretty directly against Wolves to a couple of goals for Liverpool. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I think it's been hugely promising. I think that's exactly what you wanted to see from him in terms of his next step. Obviously, he's got to carry on doing that. But to do it last weekend against uh, Craig Dawson, wasn't it, that he shrugs off as if he's not there for, for the goal that he sets up. Obviously, yesterday as well, he did it a few times against a team which is really physical, really strong in, in terms of, of that back line. There's, there's some big lads in there and he just, he's got that confidence and he's got the kind of, he's got the knack for it. I think it, it, as much as anything, it's a, it's a timing thing. You don't have to be, you know, a Mikhail Antonio lump up front that you can just pump the ball up to and, and it'll stick. You can maybe, you know, just nudge someone at the right time or get your body in the right position or obviously someone with his sort of turn of pace if he gets the ball just ahead of the defender you can kind of draw people in and, and spin them and, and get away from them and he's he started to do that a lot more we, we saw you know the odd occasion maybe last season but not really consistently where again it's a small sample size but we've seen it two weekends in a row now where he's He's clearly confident. He's got the ability to, to do that. And you know, we have seen it for him um, at Benfica. Obviously, the Premier League is, is slightly different in terms of the defence that you'll come up with, uh, come up against, sorry, and you know the, the lack of, of spacing behind. But I think it's been really promising that the, the off-the-ball stuff is clearly developing all of the time. I think he, he looks like he's a little bit better at that. There was a moment against West Ham where Jurgen Klopp was celebrating on the touchline because he sprinted back, slide tackled, won the ball back. Obviously, there's you know, still refinement and still work to do in that, but he's way, way better than he was last season at that. So the combination of, of those two things, I think, is is really exciting. I think if you can bring together you know, a bit more on the goal-scoring front, continue to refine the kind of pressing and the counter-pressing, and then you bring in a bit of link-up play, even if he stays at the level of, of one of those three things that he is now, but improves the other two, I think we'll see you know big strides big strides forward for him. So I'm really excited. I think there's, as I say, still another level for him to get to. But if he's improving week by week, you know, the the, the sky is, is the limit for him, really, I think, in terms of, of the, the improvements that we've seen. There was a couple of moments in pre-season where you were wondering, you know, has he taken the next step? Has he done enough to, to maybe climb up that pecking order? But maybe not during the summer, but I think we've seen it, you know, since the start of this season. The evidence is, is starting to stack up now that, there's clearly a, a real talent there and it, it's starting to come together for him. So fingers crossed he can sort of stay fit, stay in the team. Uh, I think he feels like one of those that is someone who needs a bit of a run to, to get himself into that groove. He's in that now. So, you know, hopefully that can continue. Yeah, I definitely agree in the sense of getting a run in the team because he's obviously a player who, who operates a lot in terms of confidence um, and that's the basis for a lot of his good form a lot of the time. And, I mean, to start with the counter-pressing, I think it's it's obviously a case where basically the application's always been there. You know, he's always been willing to sort of chase. And then Klopp called him a racehorse last season, which kind of summarised how he was basically just frantically running after the ball at times. But obviously there was a, maybe a little bit more subtlety that was required. 
And that's probably been the big focus on the training ground for him. Maybe as much, if not more, than actually finishing drills and things like that because Klopp's repeatedly said, you know, it's the tickets into the side, like I say. Um, so that's crucial that he's doing that and that's probably the way that he becomes that that first race number nine because, you know, Nunez's goal tally in the Premier League last season wasn't great. I think, he, I think he scored nine goals, but he actually only played the equivalent of, of about 19 full matches and that shows you that, yeah, maybe there was injuries. Obviously, he got suspended early on, but for the most part, you know, he was struggling to nail down that spot, but this is the way that he does it. And to be honest, the thing I've been most impressed by is the hold-up play because the, the player that arrived, the player that I saw when Liverpool played Benfica in the Champions League, I thought it was going to be someone who was much more of a bully for defenders, you know, just look looking at the physical stature of him and things like that. But I think a lot of the time you've wanted more from him in that regard. So it's nice to see him using the strength that he clearly has and developing maybe a bit more awareness in those situations too. And I think just becoming a, a much stronger all-round package at the moment. But let's see if he can keep it up. Uh, let's move on to Luis Diaz then. Um, the second of the attackers that we'll look at. For, for me, Matt, I, I think watching him, and I don't know if this dates back to obviously coming back from that serious injury issue last season, but it seems like he doesn't necessarily have that 1v1 explosiveness that he had in his first maybe six months at Liverpool when he was absolutely spectacular to watch. But what he has gained is a better output and maybe a bit a better end product because there was a lot of those a lot of times in those early months where it'd be this amazing performance, but there wouldn't be a goal, there wouldn't be an assist. Whereas it feels like now he's coming away with, you know, slightly better numbers. Would that be a fair assessment for you? Or do you think I'm being a bit harsh on kind of the the one v one front? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that was something we've we've seen a few times. I thought that watching him against West Ham, you know, he was up against a, a player in, in Kufal who is, you know, a, a good defender, a good pro, but he's not necessarily someone that you'd think would be able to to match him for, for speed or explosiveness. And he, he didn't really get past him that many times. But I think you're right to, to say that the the final product, the, the decision making, the the goals are starting to come with him a little bit more now. I think it's it's three so far this season. He's clearly getting himself into the right positions. But I think for me, the biggest thing with him really that we didn't see in the first six months, but we've kind of seen since he's come back from the injury is that Sadio Mane type quality of almost being a bit of a hold-up player himself. I know we've just talked about it a little bit with Nunes, but it feels now like you can give Diaz the ball and he won't lose it. He'll, he'll be able to keep hold of it. He'll be able to drag you up the pitch a little bit. He's not kind of, you know, Jack Grealish levels of, of being able to do that. But I think he's he's one of those that you can trust a little bit more with the ball now, where before it would have been a case of he'd either lose the ball straight away or he'd dribble past three players and set something up. There's there's a little bit of a, an in-between with him at the moment where I think that, that can only help Liverpool. You know, I think Liverpool missed it when Sadio Mane started to drop off, not even before he left, but just as his performance levels declined, Liverpool did miss that kind of just a few seconds really where you can take the sting out of a game and, and not not worry about losing it and, and being you know stuck on the halfway line where you've got players piling forward and suddenly you're being counter-attacked I think Liverpool have got an extra sort of weapon in terms of being able to keep hold of the ball a little bit longer so the decision making is definitely coming on a long way um, and yeah there's again still more to come from him but I think the start to this season particularly you know after after a long injury to come back to have the summer to start the way he has, I think it's really promising for, for what is to come. The thing with Diaz is, I think, those early performances from him, 
they they were absolutely electrifying. I mean, you, you think of games like the FA Cup final, for example, probably epitomizes that. But he kind of, I think he, he came off at some point in that game, or obviously, you know, the game ended up finishing nil nil, and, and you just wonder yourself, well, how has it? He actually scored. How has he created something? Now, I think it doesn't maybe have that wow factor as much anymore, and, and it is obviously early in the season, and maybe you know he's not too far off coming i think he came back from that injury in april which was obviously kind of a double a double blow i think in the same sort of area and so maybe he will kind of get that explosiveness back but now now i think like i say the wild factor might not be there but i think i still think overall his contribution is greater and we'll obviously see that you know how how his game develops over the course of the season whether he has almost i mean i mean remember at the start of liverpool career Klopp was talking a lot about how he was allowed to go out and express himself. I wonder if now this is more the type of winger Jürgen Klopp thought he he was going to be. You know, you mentioned Grealish there. People talk a lot, obviously, about how when he was at Aston Villa, he had this really gung-ho style. And now when he plays for Pep Guardiola at the time, he's getting the ball on the wing, you know, takes a few touches and passes it back, just recycles the ball. Obviously, Klopp, you know, doesn't want that from his winger. But whether this is more the vision that he had, um, it's still early days, but maybe these are some early types of conclusions that we can draw. Um, one player who can play in Diaz's position on the left and also through the middle is Cody Gakpo. And he's probably been a little bit quiet at the start of the season without maybe struggling too much when he's been on the pitch. Last season and during the summer, we sort of spoke a lot about how Gakpo was the natural successor to Roberto Firmino. To what extent do you think he can become almost a carbon copy of, of Firmino, Matt, or do you think we need to sort of look at him through a different lens? Is, is he a bit of a different molder player through the middle in that attack? I think he can be that. It's more a question, really, of whether that's what Liverpool want now. I think it's it's changed the dynamic, hasn't it, in the midfield in terms of you don't necessarily need a, a Firmino-type player to drop as deep as what he was doing because you've maybe got, you know, Curtis Jones might pick up that position or Dominic Sabosley might do it or even Alexis McAllister at times was in a more advanced position, even though he's the, the deepest one. So it, it kind of depends on the game, I think, a little bit. I think probably Gakpo hasn't been helped by having to play in midfield a couple of times. I think that is something that I think can still work. And, and on paper, it makes sense to have him in those sort of attacking number eight positions at, at certain points. But, you know, this season, it, it hasn't really happened. It, it's not really worked for him. And there's clearly, you know, better options. There's no real need to play him there when you've got Saboslai, who's come in and started so well so it's just a case of picking the moment to, to drop him back in really I don't necessarily think he's going to play that much from the left for Liverpool I think you know when you've got Diogo Jota and Luis Diaz there's not really a massive need to see him do that um, when he's come on even as a sub you know Jota has tended to play on the, the left and he's been been through the middle so I think that's definitely the position that they're looking at for him is, is to play centrally but it, it's been a slow start to the season but I just think there will be a moment where you know, Darwin Nunes will, will drop off a little bit or you know, maybe Diogo Jota might get a little bit of an injury, which he has done you know, for, for most seasons since he's been at Liverpool. I think there will be a point where Liverpool just need somebody else to, to step up into that forward line. And just because Cody Gapos had a, a, a quiet-ish start to the season doesn't necessarily mean that you know, this time next month we might be talking about him having scored two in two and come in for Liverpool and and made the difference and that that's probably where in previous seasons Liverpool have not had the same level of options or the same level of depth as certain other teams you know if, if you're chasing Manchester City for a title 
you've got to win pretty much every game. And if you've got a player who's missing and you drop points in that match, that could be you know decisive for the rest of the season. Whereas now, I think, you know, if you've got five players, we're talking at the moment of you know Salah being in good form, Diaz doing well, and, and Darwin Nunes being really good. At another point, it might be Jota and Gakpo that come in. There's, you know, there's enough options there that you'd think if one of them drops off, somebody else will be able to come in. At the moment, that's you know Cody Gakpo waiting for that opportunity. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I was very excited at the start of the season about Gakpo in terms of you know he's shone so much. I, I think as as things progressed, really after he arrived from PSV, maybe a bit of a quiet start, but as the weeks were going on, he was looking more and more comfortable. And I think he was really impressing. And I thought, you know, get a full preseason behind him, get him in a team that is functioning a bit better, really. And the results should be pretty spectacular. I think we've obviously not seen that yet, but it is it is early days, and I think. I still obviously have the hope that, like you mentioned, Matt, whether it's in a month's time or whether it's later in the season, that we are talking about Gakpo in, in such glowing terms because I think he is a, a very uh, fine footballer. You talked about how the games against Spurs and Brighton coming up would suit Darwin Nunez in a counter-attack and sense. If we look at that through the lens of Gakpo, what kind of matches do you think Klopp might say, do you know what, this is a game, this is a game for Cody Gakpo as opposed to someone like Darwin Nunez? Yeah, I mean, that, that that's the problem, isn't it, I think, for him, in that the games that I would maybe think are more suited to him are probably a game like a, a Wolves or a West Ham, where obviously Darwin Nunez has, has come in and, and done well and done some of the things that you'd typically expect Gakpo to be able to do, the, the link-up play, the pressing. Darwin Nunez has started to do that as well. So it, it, it's a hard one to pinpoint a specific game. I think there might be certain, certain points. I think... He played, if I'm right, in midfield against Brentford towards the back end of, of last season because Liverpool basically just needed another option on the pitch who was that little bit more physical. Again, you, you're maybe not going to need that necessarily so much this season because you've got Sabozlai, who is a lot more physical. You've got even someone like Curtis Jones, who is hopefully going to stay fit as, as another one who is you know making the team a little bit bigger. So there's maybe going to be one or two less opportunities for him to come in uh, but in terms of yeah, which, which opponent would you play him against? It, it, it's hard, really. Uh, is there somebody that you had in mind in terms of, of who that might be? Because I'm struggling to I'm struggling to pick out somebody. But I know there is there's definitely an answer to this where you go, yeah, that's the game for, for Cody Gakpo. Well, I think as much as Nunez has improved when he drops deep, I think he's never going to be kind of that natural link player you can, you can just tell that by looking at him you know he is a little bit technically awkward as a player whereas Gakpo I think when he was starting as a as a number eight in the first couple of games this season just didn't necessarily look right you know he was involved in the game fairly little to be honest for someone in that position but maybe it would be better to kind of have him in, in the front line and almost dropping into midfield and, and more of that kind of hybrid role like we saw from Firmino so Again, like you, Matt, I mean, there's no sort of specific team that springs to mind, but I think maybe in games where you do want a bit more presence in midfield, maybe a bit more control in midfield, I think that's where Gakpo will come into his own because I think he offers a lot more kind of security in possession than, than someone like Nunez would. Um, so so I think that's where it's, it's going to be a bit of a tactical question and it's going to depend on 
kind of the nature and the setup of the opponent. I think that's where Gakpo could, could really come into his own because I really enjoyed watching him drop deep last season. I think for me, you know, as his Liverpool career went on, a lot of the time he was picking up those positions, but he would actually be quite sloppy with his pass. You know, he wouldn't necessarily get the right weight on it and things like that. But I thought Gakpo, I mean, his biggest asset was his ability to drive forward and often draw fouls because he had sort of impressive acceleration and was able to hold off his opponents. But I also thought his ability to pick the right pass and, and execute it as well was really impressive. And I think that will be inherently valuable because as much as you know, you see Liverpool and Man City both maybe moving towards that kind of out-and-out number nine, I think this sort of false nine way of playing is still going to be very valuable at certain is, moments. Is it then a Manchester City or an Arsenal or a game like that, maybe where you bring Gakpo in for a little bit more of, of the defensive surety and maybe bolstering the midfield a little bit? Maybe, maybe it's a game like that where you think, OK, you might just get one chance and you might gamble that Darwin Nunes will take that chance, but maybe Cody Gakpo offers a little bit more, maybe against a, yeah. a better quality opponent like that. Yeah, because if you look at the game against Man City last season, Anfield was Liverpool 1-1-0. They pretty much allowed City to dominate the ball and and they kind of sat in a, a pretty conservative shape for, for Klopp's football. And that was obviously before Gakpo arrived. So I wonder if, obviously, Liverpool are playing City, I think, in sort of four or five weeks, something like that. There's, there's not too many more Premier League games where that one comes around. Um, you wonder if that's the kind of game where if you did use someone like Gakpo, you could get more of a foothold. I remember Nunez came on in that game against Anfield last year and it kind of worked to the extent that he was sort of that chaos merchant in that game. And I remember he had a, he had a couple of opportunities that he probably should have scored. Um, but maybe that one is kind of more of a game where Gakpo starts and then Nunez is more useful off the bench as opposed to obviously what we saw on Sunday where Nunez had, had a good game from, from the off and Gakpo came on and played well too. So... That's obviously a key point as well, you know, the way the forward line players, you know, play when, when they actually come off the bench in games. I mean, Nunez and, and Diaz obviously were quite effective against Wolves and then they've started the, the two games after that. You know, that's going to play a big, a big part in in who's involved as well, especially if those who start don't have the best game. I think it is going to be quite meritocratic to that degree. I think the only one who's going to be obviously immune from the rotation is Mohamed Salah, who we might come on to in a second, but... Just to touch on Diogo Jota, I mean, I, I saw a, a debate on Twitter the other day about whether his best role is left wing or centre forward. And it's a hard one to, to answer, really. And I wonder if it's a blessing or a curse, because does that mean he's equally effective in both those two positions, which is obviously an asset to Klopp? Or, or does it say when a player doesn't have a you know, nailed down best position, is that actually a bit of a stick to beat them with? Does that show that they've not really kind of got the complete skill set that they need for that role. I mean, I mean, how do you see that one in terms of where Jota fits best? I don't think he necessarily has a best position, but I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily either. I think that's probably what Liverpool thought they were getting when they bought him. Obviously, at the time, it was Sadio Mane, Roberto Firmino and Mohamed Salah, and they were the forwards, and it was a bit of you know added depth, and he could play a couple of those positions, and whoever was injured or whoever needed a rest or whoever you needed to, to swap out for whatever reason. He was the one who could play in, in any of those positions, even can play on the right at certain points. I don't think that's necessarily his strength, but he can can certainly do it to some, some extent. So I don't think it's a bad thing in the sense of he's not got the best injury record. I think last season the injury came because of him being overplayed. I think it 
was it Arsenal or Manchester City where he gets injured last season? Whichever one it was, he, he was basically left on the pitch too long because Liverpool had already lost Luis Diaz. They didn't have, you know, basically didn't have anybody who they could swap in to 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 come on in his place. So, I think for him to to manage his minutes is not a bad thing. To put him in at certain points is no bad thing. As I mentioned before, he's a good option. I think to have off the bench, he can just get you a goal from somewhere. I just think that the role in the squad that he's got at the moment, he might not be happy with it forever. He might want to be, you know, the first choice at some point. But I just think it, it suits him. I think it's it, it's a way that you can use him best. I don't think he's necessarily going to have you know a, a six month period where he's the first name on the team sheet. But I just think you do need players like that. And Liverpool, I think, have got the best roster of attacking talent of any team in the world and I think he is basically the perfect option for them in terms of being a bit of a rotation he will start at certain points he'll come in he'll probably be involved in pretty much every game if he doesn't start you'd fancy him to come off the bench and and have an impact but I just think it's it's probably not what he would have wanted heading into the season but I do think it's it's almost the perfect position for him to find himself in in terms of the, the longevity of his Liverpool career I wouldn't want him to, to do what he's done in previous seasons and, and have to play too much and then miss four months because he's got an injury. I think at, at the moment it's it's a decent scenario where you can get probably get a little bit more out of him as the season goes on, but it's not the worst position to be in, I don't think. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it was obviously that game against uh, Manchester City last year, the one that we mentioned a second ago, where I think he, he injured his calf. And I remember that game. I don't think he'd made the biggest impact in the final third, but his pressing was absolutely monstrous. And, and that's probably an area where he excels. But obviously, maybe that was his undoing. In a way, the amount of chasing and, and defensive work he was doing took its toll, I suppose. And he was obviously out for a long time. And I think Liverpool are actually moving towards more of the Man City model with their front line. I think it was something that I wrote in an article over the summer where in the days of Salamane Firmino, and you had players like maybe... Arigi, Minamino, Shakiri, you know, players like that available as backups and, and they weren't particularly inspiring. Um, and then obviously you brought Jota in and you had that extra player, but now you've got kind of all five of them. It looks more like what City did a lot where, you know, obviously they talk about Pep Roulette with the rotation and things like that. There wasn't necessarily ever that kind of first choice front line set in stone. It was more kind of dependent on certain games and, and, and form and things like that. You know, I'm talking about when they had sort of Mares, um, Sterling, Aguero, Jesus, you know, it would always be a bit of a mix and match situation. Um, and I think that's what we've got at Liverpool with Salah obviously being the exception to a degree. That still happens at Man City with sort of Salah and, and Haaland in parallel roles where they're kind of both undroppable uh, when they're fit. And we won't really, we won't get into Salah too much. I mean, there's not too much you can say about him anymore. He scored, um, scored or assisted in 12 straight Premier League matches now. And he's set, definitely setting the bar uh, for the rest of the attackers when it comes to consistency. And it'll be interesting to see if anyone can get even close um, to him for the rest of this season. But just to finish off then, Matt Liverpool are playing Leicester in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. Do you think that the attacking selection for that game will basically tell us what the pecking order is at the moment um, in the front line because there's obviously a very big game at the weekend against Tottenham and another big match after that. 
um, against Brighton. I think there's a, a game against USG in the Europa League between that. So maybe those Leicester and USG games might show which players need to have a bit of work to do and, and need to work their way back into the side at the moment. Yeah, I think that that's probably fair. I think it's it's quite hard to second guess what team Liverpool will play at the moment in terms of the forward line. Uh, even you know, if we we say that Mohamed Salah plays most of the matches, but I don't think he's going to play many in the Europa League, and I'd be surprised if he you know played against Leicester midweek. So even that is is proving tricky to to kind of work out what Liverpool will do. I think it's probably most likely that you'd look at Gakpo and Jota coming into the team for the Leicester game. But I do think there's an argument that you play Darwin Nunes and say, you know, have another hour, go and get yourself a couple of goals and, and continue the run that he's on at the moment. I think he will be important as we, as we spoke about before in terms of, of the next two Premier League fixtures, Spurs and Brighton just feel perfect for, for what Darwin Nunes can bring. So I don't want to overplay him between now and then, but I just want to keep him ticking over as well at the same time. So I think there's there's a balance to be struck. I think we will see a lot of, of changes for Liverpool against Leicester, but I, I almost don't think you can read too much into any of it at the moment. It, it is it is very much game to game. What suits best? What suits best in terms of the opponent, but also what suits best in terms of okay, Darwin's in good form at the moment. How do we keep him going? How do we keep Mohamed Salah fit and, and fire him for as long as possible? When's the minutes for Ben Doak going to come in? Does he come in maybe against Leicester as he did? For the Europa League game, quite possibly. Um, so it's it's quite hard, I think, to, to work out. And it's quite hard to know whatever they do on Wednesday, how much of an impact will that have for the weekend? Because I have to say, I thought, you know, given that Nunes started on Thursday, he wouldn't then necessarily start against West Ham. Clearly, it was, was the right thing to do. But I thought maybe it was a hint that Jota and Gakpo were the two for West Ham. And I got that completely wrong. So it, it's quite hard, I think, to, to second guess at the moment. But it almost doesn't matter, does it? I think which, whichever combination, there'll be lots of plus points and, and plenty of creativity and goals for Liverpool. So I'm almost I'm almost not that bothered by it. Yeah, and obviously those who don't start the game can come off the bench and make an impact as well. I think Liverpool have had four goals from substitutes in their last five matches, which is obviously an indication of just how strong they are um, when it comes to those reserve options. But yeah, we will leave it there for this week's Liverpool.com podcast. Thanks very much everyone for joining us remember to check out all the written content that goes up on the site today for example we'll have plenty of reaction to the game against west ham on sunday and we'll be back next week with another episode so we will see you then you've been listening to the blood red podcast from the liverpool echo